You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Welcome back, everybody, to more of the Greek's Gridiron and to another edition of Divisional Power Rankings as today... I dive into the AFC West defenses, ranking them from worst to first. So make sure you comment down below your power rankings for the AFC West defenses and share your thoughts and opinions on what I have to say. But we'll dive right into it, beginning with the team at the very bottom at number four, a team that I just have a lot of concerns about for the majority of the defense. I will say I do like the secondary a little bit, but beyond that, I do have some questions, concerns, and things, and that's going to be with the Las Vegas Raiders sitting at number four. Defensively, there are just a lot of either holes or questionable positions of need and things that I don't think were addressed well this offseason. Uh, when I look at the defensive front, you obviously have Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, two really effective pass rushers. Max Crosby's coming off of arguably his, I would probably say, the best season of his career at this point. 12 and a half sacks, he had 22 tackles for loss, bringing a ton of pressure as well. And he's paired alongside Chandler Jones, who is coming off kind of a an iffy down year for somebody of his stature with only four and a half sacks. He had three tackles for loss. Pressure numbers were down as well. Uh, you have to hope that that's not father time finally catching up with him because Chandler Jones has been kind of an unsung excellent defensive end or just edge rusher in general through the majority of his career but you're keeping that in mind I mean what do you have behind them really I know you have first round pick Tyree Wilson who's learning from two fantastic edge rushers with a ton of athletic upside but you don't necessarily know what he's going to wind up being completely based off of just what his college production looked like he is a guy that's coming in with just a lot a lot of just athletic upside is kind of what you're banking on with Tyree Wilson. Then you take focus over to the interior of the defensive line, and things aren't necessarily very flashy there either. When you look at the inside, Jerry Tillery, who only had four starts in 2022, and Bilal Nichols are your two lead guys there. More of just kind of like plug up the middle type players. They're not necessarily guys that are going to bring a ton of pressure. They're not going to get to the quarterback. They're just people that are going to plug up holes against the run, and that's about all you're really getting out of them. And then you have guys behind them like John Jenkins and Neil Farrell that could maybe even push for playing time just based off of how things shake out. But I'm not super thrilled about the interior of the defensive line. I do like the edges. Again, I'm really high on Chandler Jones. Love the product that he's put on the field through the majority of his career last year. A bit of a down year, though. And Max Crosby, obviously, an ascending premier edge rusher in the NFL. But I do have some concerns about that interior. Then you look at the linebacker corps here, and this is one that I'm not really a huge fan of here, as Robert Spillane was brought in from Pittsburgh, somebody who was a massive liability in coverage. And I mean, while he's a solid tackler, and he, you know, he can be serviceable against the run, that's about as far as his play goes, at least from what I've seen from him in Pittsburgh. But you do have Divine Diablo, somebody that you're you're basically banking on turning into a stud because he did flash before going down with injury last season. So he is somebody that you'll be keeping an eye on myself included that you really kind of need to flourish in this defense and then you have guys behind them like maybe sixth round pick from Florida Amari Bernie who could maybe even push for some playing time especially if things don't go well with Spillane I'm not saying that you know maybe a change of scenery won't help the guy but just based off of what I saw from him in Pittsburgh and the fact that he was kind of allowed to walk the linebacking corpse if you ask any Pittsburgh fan last season was not very good and Spillane was a part of that group so that's definitely one I will be keeping a close eye on there because it was a bit of a head scratch 
scratcher for me. And then the secondary, this is where I do like some stuff about the Raiders here. I would say that if I, if there was any group that I could praise the most, it's got to be the secondary here because you do have some names and you have a really good young group that could shine, especially if all goes right for them and everyone can stay healthy. You have Nate Hobbs, obviously, who appears to be returning to the slot where he plays the best. So I'm happy to see him returning to there. You obviously wang up Marcus Peters, not quite the athletic playmaker. He was maybe a handful of years ago, but still a savvy veteran and a guy who really understands the position and I think can help bring along some of the younger players in this secondary here. And then you have fourth round pick out of Maryland, Jacorian Bennett, who is apparently slated to be starting opposite of him and is somebody who's been having a very strong training camp in preseason. So exciting to see a guy, you know, that you find over there in day number three, fighting for a starting role here, especially at cornerback. Doesn't happen too often. And then some additions to this as far as the deep end of the secondary is concerned, bringing in Marcus Epps from Philly, pairing him with Trayvon Morig, who has obviously been a fun player to watch since he's entered the league here both of these two guys both Epps and Morig are both extremely versatile you can have them play wherever you need to in the secondary whether it's in the slot in the box over up high as a just a typical safety these are two guys that you can just basically mix and match as necessary based off whatever offense you're facing that week so the secondary is definitely the strongest group in my opinion here I would argue maybe the pass rush and like the edges kind of come second to them and then from there I'm just not really too thrilled with what I'm seeing from the linebacker corpse, but the secondary overall, I think would be a really strong group if all goes well for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, moving into the number three spot here, this one was another one that like, I wish I could put this team higher, but there are some things that I'm concerned about based off of what we saw from last year prior to players getting hurt and just what exactly this defense is against the run, and that is going to be the LA Chargers. Now, improvement against the run, especially on the defensive front, is an absolute must this season for the Chargers. They were allowing an unbelievable number of yards per game last season on the ground and ended up being fifth most in the NFL come season's end. Sebastian Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson appear to be set as a team starting D tackles. Johnson's working his way back after missing pretty much the back half of the season last year due to injury. And for as much love as I gave the Joseph Day signing last season for the LA Chargers, I will say that as a full-time starter, I don't think his initial season was anything stellar by any means, but I mean... It was solid at best. Maybe you could argue good, but I would say solid at best. Uh, I will be very curious to see what a healthy pairing of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa looks like because I think in order for this defense to really reach its fullest potential, you need Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on the field together. So hopefully both guys can stay healthy and we actually get to see what this pass rushing duo was supposed to be like. They'll be able to set the edges more efficiently and hopefully be able to slow down some of the run game that just seemed like every single team was able to completely bulldoze over the Chargers. As for the linebacking corpse here, a little bit of reworking going on. Eric Kendricks comes in joining from Minnesota after his long stint over there. Really good player in coverage. He's really solid against the run as well. And you're pairing him up with Kenneth Murray, obviously, who's a really good tackle. And, and on top of that, flashed in coverage last season, showing a great improvement there. I think this will be a solid one-two punch on the interior for the defense. And you also have a guy like third-round pick out of Washington State, Dayan Henley, who's shown some skill in coverage and rushing the quarterback during his time in college. You have Nick Neiman, 
who's quality depth as well. I actually like the linebacker corpse. I think that they're like a solid group to maybe even slightly above average group, but um, I won't say that they're like the most flashy in the NFL, but I do like the group as a solid unit to trust in, but it's really going to rely on how effective that defensive line is going to be because it's not like Eric Kendricks is getting any younger here. He's still a pretty solid linebacker at this point in his career, but he is on the wrong side of 30 at this point. And then there's the secondary, and this is where like you have a really good mix of talent, but you do have a big question mark here. JC Jackson was your big signing last season. He was supposed to basically round out the secondary and finish it off. He got like your premier number one corner, but in the five games that he played last year, it honestly did not look great. And it was borderline bad to be completely honest with it. And he was struggling quite a bit to just sum it up simply before going down last season. So in year number two, you're hoping that he can maybe adjust, hopefully understanding what they're doing schematically over there in LA maybe helps him out a little bit more, but I'm slightly concerned because that was another sign. Like I'll, I'll tell, I'll be completely honest. Last year, I was hammering the Chargers defense home all the way through, both with having a pairing of Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. You're bringing in JC Jackson. I was all in on the Chargers defense, but based off of missing Joey Bosa for half the year and just kind of what the pass rush looked like. And then on top of that, JC Jackson did not really look great in his first five games in a new system. A little bit concerned with how that all ends up shaking out because if it doesn't work out well, it's just so much money tied up to a, a the failure of a signing. I'm not going to sit here and say that's what it is right now, but that's what you want to avoid. As for the rest of the secondary, though, I do really like what the Chargers have going for them. Michael Davis is poised to be opposite of him with Asante Samuel Jr. playing in the slot. I would say... As a starting three, on paper, this should be a really good group. I think Asante Samuel is emerging as one of the top slot uh, corners in the NFL right now, and even the depth behind them as well. You have guys like Jazeel Taylor and Dean Leonard. They had the seventh best pass defense in 2022. They had a really good secondary. If J.C. Jackson can get back to what he was doing in New England, this could be a top five passing defense altogether. And not to mention the safety group, as deep as just about any in the NFL, you have Derwin James, who obviously went healthy, is one one of the best safeties in the NFL. You pair him with Alohi Gilman, who made quite a leap for the team last season. I know a lot of people really love him. He is a big fan favorite over there in LA. And JT Woods, who kind of took a back seat to Gilman, but is still a really strong third option at safety for the team. Secondary is a really strong group and a group I do really like, but we need to see JC Jackson from New England, not JC Jackson from the first five games of last season. Moving into the number two spot here, and this is where I was doing a lot of dice rolling in my head because I'm trying to decide who am I going to go with at number one, number two, Denver and Kansas City both fielding really good defenses last year in their own ways, but I ultimately settled on Denver as the number two team here. Now, there is a lot to like about this Broncos team when you look at them. They brought in Zach Allen to help shore things up on the interior of the defense. Obviously, they're styled around like a 3-4. So bringing him in, coming off of his best season so far in his career, five and a half sacks. He had 25 pressures, 47 tackles on top of that. He's a very effective guy. The rest of the interior, though, will be interesting to watch. You have DJ Jones and Jonathan Harris, who are currently penciled in as starters on the interior alongside him, with only 217 snaps coming from Jonathan Harris. Harris, the rest of the interior is definitely something to keep an eye on. But when you look at 
the outer edges of that defensive line. Again, this is a 3-4, so we're looking at some outside linebackers, pass rushers, edge rushers, whatever you want to call them there. Baron Browning, who's currently still on the pup list, and then Randy Gregory, who only played in six games in 2022, will be setting the edges for this defense here. Neither of these two guys have more than six sacks in their career in a season. So you're hoping that with them paired together and the massive extension or not extension, excuse me, contract you dished out to Randy Gregory last off season during free agency can turn into at least one of these guys pushing for double digit sacks. Maybe the other one being like close, if not at that 10 mark, but you want to see double digit sacks from one of these two guys. Cause you basically kept Baron Browning because you believe in his pass rushing ability. And you thought bringing a guy like Randy Gregory in would honestly help improve both guys. On top of that, though, if for whatever reason either of those two guys can't produce, you did bring in Frank Clark, who is somebody else to watch as well, joining from KC. He was good for about 20 pressures, four-plus sacks every single season, so someone else to keep an eye on. And this is one of those signings that I feel like flew under the radar. I remember first seeing him do an interview, and he was talking in a Denver Broncos uniform after a practice, and myself and just about everyone in the comment section of that video were all asking the same thing. When the heck did he sign with Denver? Even some Denver fans were kind of surprised to see him wearing a Broncos uniform. That was one of the more weird under the radar things that just kind of slipped through the crack. But Overall, I think the pass rush and just the defensive line as a whole should be a strong group. You want to buy in, though, and really hope that you get more of what is like on the potential upside than kind of what we've seen so far from this group. As for the linebacker corps, this is where things get really fun on this Denver defense here. I really, really, really like both the linebacking group and the secondary here. You have Josie Jewell, who's basically an all-around linebacker and I think firmly arrived last season with 128 tackles. He had seven for a loss. He had a couple of interceptions, four passes defense, two forced fumbles. You want to talk about a guy that filled up the stat sheet and has a nose for the football? Josie Jewell is a guy that is firmly ascending in the NFL. And you pair him up with Alex Singleton, who himself had 160-some-odd tackles. He able to get into the backfield. He had some passes defense as well. One-two punch is probably a very light way to put it, but these two guys paired together are about as good as any other linebacking corpse, I would say, and as a tandem in the NFL. Then you have a guy like third-round pick out of Arkansas, Drew Sanders, who I'm actually really excited to see him develop behind these two guys because this is somebody in 2022, when you look at his numbers, 100-plus tackles, 13-plus, oh, was it 13 and a half tackles for loss? He had almost 10 sacks, five passes defense. He had an interception as well. I mean, this is another guy who shows he can be that all-around linebacker. He can play off the ball. He can get up front and do what he has to do against the run. I am really excited to watch this linebacking group this year because I think that the Broncos are among some of the top linebacking corps in the NFL right now, just for, from, like, starting all the way into, like, the depth of the unit. And then the secondary, of course. This is one that just seems to constantly have good players coming and going, but is always, always, always a competitive unit and a top flight pass defense in the NFL, or to helping the Broncos be a top flight pass defense in the NFL. You look at Pat Sertan II, don't really have to say too much about him. One of the top corners in a very young career in the NFL so far. Then you have 2022 fourth round pick, a guy that I don't think a lot of people expected to see be discussed like this, but Demary Mathis, impressing last season. He allowed only one touchdown through the whole year with six pass breakups as well. This is one that you want to talk about hitting on a guy in day three. Absolute stud of a pick there. You have Kawan Williams, who despite being 32, rock solid last season, didn't allow a single touchdown pass. This was one of the best passing defenses in the NFL last year. Denver is just year in and year out putting 
all their pieces together and sometimes even putting pieces together that wind up with the sum greater than their parts and the secondary, I think, is one of those that is like a prime example of that. You have third-round pick Riley Moss and Jaquan McMillan as depth for this group here, and you start to look at the secondary and go, okay, this is a unit that can basically run it back. Safety, also just as strong. Kareem Jackson continues to just beat father time as like a savvy veteran there for that unit. Justin Simmons is obviously one of the top safeties in the NFL right now. And you have Caden Stearns, who's returning from hip injury who looked really really good before going down and as long as he can get back to that form that he was prior to his week five injury um you have yourself one hell of a secondary over there in denver and one that if you're going up against probably not going to have a good game as for the number one team though the last but very not least kansas city chiefs sitting at the top of my board uh, this is more so about me just believing in what Kansas City has going on there and their ability to draft talent and develop their talent. It's kind of crazy at this point because they have such a young defense, but a very effective defense at that. When you start with the defensive front, you look at this group. They had the most pressures in the NFL last season, 178 altogether. They had the second most sacks behind only the Eagles with 50 in 2022. I'm assuming that the deal with Chris Jones is going to get situated or is going to get sorted. I don't think that they're going to let just who's somebody who's been a literal game breaker for you in situations. Chris Jones deal has got to get sorted before the season gets going. You do not want him holding out because if he's holding out and not playing, I would say that this probably alters what my rankings look like. And I might squeak Denver right above Kansas city, but in this idea here, I'm going with Chris Jones, sign some sort of extension, some sort of rework, gets money that he's looking for, and you know we can put this all behind Kansas City. Derek Nandi paired with him. More of just a run stuffer throughout his career, a guy who can generate a little bit of pressure, not necessarily a guy who's coming in with the sacks, though, but I would say an excellent pairing that goes along with Chris Jones. Then you look more towards the outside of the defensive line here. George Karlaftis, his rookie season, was really promising. Six and a half sacks. He had 21 pressures, eight tackles for loss. He was really good in every situation there, especially late into the season, getting towards the, in, into that playoff run that they had. George Karlaftis is a guy who I think can really be like a cornerstone of this defense down the road. And then on top of that, he's paired with Mike Dana, who is basically taking over the flank Clark role, I would say, here. He had five sacks, 16 pressures, and three tackles for loss last season. Serviceable numbers, not necessarily anything that's going to blow you away, but a guy that I think you could plug in there and at least get decent production from. And then behind them, and this is what's like what I'm talking about with like just the way the Chiefs are able to draft and develop guys. You have Felix and Aduke Uzoma, who basically has no pressure to perform in year one. But when you look at his numbers from his last two years in college, from 2021 to 2022, we're talking 82 pressures, 19 and a half sacks, 25 and a half tackles for loss, and eight forced fumbles. He's a playmaker and he's available. Two of the best things you could ask for from a young guy who's going to be learning behind George Karlaftis, who clearly has it figured out and learned from somebody like Frank Clark. Mike Dana, again, another serviceable guy who's been getting it done. And a coaching staff over there in Kansas City that I would say is like borderline second to none at this point with the way they're able to take young guys and plug them into a starting role in their defense and get an absolute ton out of their players. 
just imagine two years down the road what a Karlaftis X Anuduke Uzoma defensive line could look like with both of them rushing the edges. I just scary stuff to think about here. Linebacking corpse, and this is probably the deepest group in this entire rankings here. Nick Bolton obviously making the leap last season in 2022, almost 200 tackles. He was at 180, nine tackles for loss, couple of sacks, three pass breakups, couple of interceptions. Another guy who just completely loaded out the stat sheet paired with Willie Gay, who in 2022 himself nearly had 100 tackles, also had nine tackles for loss, had a couple of sacks, eight pass breakups. He had a pick six. I mean, two linebackers that can literally do everything for you. And if that wasn't enough, then you look at the depth in the linebacking room. You have, of course, Leo Chanal, who is pretty solid and serviceable for them last year as a depth piece. But you go and bring in from your division rival, Drew, Drew Tranquil, who was nearly 150 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and five and a half sacks deep himself in 2022. He's a literal starter in the NFL. And now pressure comes off to him to just be a relief guy for two studs at linebacker and suddenly you're looking at one of the deepest if not the deepest linebacking corps I would argue in the NFL right now it's it's kind of crazy just how strong this group is and this is a 4-3 defense if you may I remind you then you look at the secondary and then again this is where I like you can really stress the whole ability to draft and develop guys to put them in a starting position early you look at this secondary here. You have three second-year guys that are starting for this secondary who played a significant amount of snaps and contributed last season. That's not to mention the other second-year guys that are starting throughout the, the defense that I kind of glossed over here because it's, it's crazy that three of your starting secondary players are second-year guys. You have Legereus Sneed, who obviously kind of leads the way for this really young secondary here. And then you have... Opposite of him, second year, seventh round pick Jalen Watson, who's going to be starting opposite of him on the outside. Then you look at the inside more, and we're talking the slot corner, second year Trent McDuffie, who's going to be lined up in the slot. You're talking about a pretty young group of starters, but guys who ultimately helped lead this Kansas City Chiefs team to a Super Bowl last year. You could clearly see that they struggled a bit, especially going up against a team like the Philadelphia Eagles and just how aggressive they can be through the air. But having all that starting experience from last year, and now you get a full offseason again to really kind of mold yourself into what you're going to be for your career going forward, that is experience that you just you cannot take you can't you can't put like a, a a number value on it with just how important all that was and for them to now be coming in year two and they're confident enough to let them continue to grow and start as players is crazy then you get into the safety room you have second year brian cook who's a fantastic tackler needs to work on his coverage a little bit but overall Excellent safety there, very versatile. You can line him up wherever you need, and you pair him up with a veteran in Justin Reed, who, again, does everything very well, very versatile safety, a guy that you can play in the slot, in the box, over high if you need to, whatever it may be. And you're just you're looking at what I argue is the best defense in the AFC West right now. I, I really think that for as good as this defense was last season, the, the sky is kind of the limit. You have such a young group competing at such a high level and some of these players have not hit their ceiling yet so best of luck to the rest of the afc west trying to play catch up here because it's the chiefs right now in this division and then everyone else in my opinion but that's how i look at the afc west let me know your thoughts and opinions in the comment section down below here are your power rankings would love to discuss but that's it for me i appreciate you if you made it all the way to the end i will see you all next time 
Have a good one.